And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hold That Podcast podcast here with Chris Branch, staff writer here at The Athletic, and my co-host Brody Miller, LSU writer. Um, doing this for definitely the first time today and our first time in person, thanks to my unnamed internet service, which doesn't pay us any money for sponsorship and thus does not deserve to be mentioned. Hi Brody. How are you? Yeah, it was our first time doing this face to face. Luckily we live like three minutes from each other and we were able to just be like, Hey, do you want to just do this in person? And we're like, Oh wait, that's an option. So yeah, Chris is sitting in my office right now in my home in New Orleans and we are doing our first face to face uh, podcast, which is just a, a weird feeling. So, yeah, you're gonna get raw, unfiltered. You know, us. You know, real. Just a couple of gentilly guys. Just two gentilly dudes, just living the dream, talking, talking sports, talking the Tigers. Let's talk the Tigers. So, uh, honestly, who cares about the unfilled product right now? We're gonna get to that later. Uh, tell me what you're hearing about coaching updates. I know uh, it has consumed your life. It has consumed mine. Uh, tell me everything. Yeah, I think I think well, I, I preface all of this with it's still so early, and we still live in a world where you are hearing so much noise and different conflicting things that right now there's not much you know hard real stuff to go on yet. Just a lot of rumors that can lead you a lot of ways where you don't know what's real and what's not. But at the same time, I think you can say that yeah, you know I think our our colleague Bruce Feldman reported two weeks ago that hey they're even going to make a Dabo Swinney say no. And again, I don't know if I think Dabo Swinney is going to be LSU's coach. You know, I don't I don't know if I think that, but I mean I have heard things that they are actually preparing an offer for him, or I've heard things that they are actually preparing for an offer for Lincoln Riley. And again, you don't know what's true at this point. It's a weird time, but at the same time, I do think it is true that they are big sea fishing. You know, they are going for the biggest guys, and I don't know if that's their only plan. They do have backups, but. I think there's something to the fact that he is going to go for a name that's really going to shock people. And I think we've reached the point in the discourse where it's like now people have gone cyclical where it's like, well, Scott Woodward's so known for big names. Maybe that's his problem. And like, you know what I mean? Where a discourse can really reach everything. And like, I think people overthink all this stuff. I think he's looking for a guy who can build a program and who can sustain a program and get LSU from really good, but up and down place to on top consistently. You know what I mean? So I say all that to say we still have a long way to go. No one's really being spoken to yet, but there is a lot going on. You know, you do have, you know, for example, you know, USC's open. We know James Franklin is also going to flirt with USC as much as he's going to flirt with LSU. There have also been some indications that, you know, we've heard at The Athletic that maybe he's trying to stay at Penn State, really, and he's trying to organize, you know, to get like a, a massive Penn State deal. That's something very much on the table. Did you see who he just hired as his rep- representation? That's what I was going to get to. Please <laughs> please tell everyone. It's Jimmy Sexton, the uh, probably the most famous agent in college football among coaches, right? Uh, the guy who gets a lot of money from whoever will give it, right? So either way, James Franklin appears to be in line for a gigantic payday. Maybe that's in Baton Rouge. Maybe it's not. I want to, I want to t- touch on a couple things. Anybody who listened to our last podcast all the way through, if you did, I love you, and I mean that. Um, you know my complicated feelings on Dabo Swinney. Uh, let me preface it by saying that he uh, checks off every box. He built a consistent winner. I mean, we were talking earlier in our first failed recording about how they are out of the ACC race for the first time since 2014. And that's crazy to think about because when I was coming up and, you know, you, I know I'm a little older than you, but Clemsoning was a thing. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you were coming up. I was like 16 when that was a I'm thing. I'm saying some people, hey, man, I'm just, I, I don't want to presume your, your level of intimacy with the sport. Um, that was a weird phrase. 
Clemsoning was a thing when I was coming up on the internet in college football internet, and it was a big meme, and it was fun because they choked every year, and that was Dabo Swinney, and then all of a sudden, they just became a juggernaut year over year reloading. So to your point about Scott Woodward wanting somebody with consistency who can take a program like LSU, which by all metrics is a top five job, and that he can take those resources and the facilities and give it a proven winner that will not fall off like every single coach has in the last you know decade or so. I should say every single coach, too. But still, both coaches have experienced a lot of inconsistencies, and that's why we're here. No, I think I mean that's the thing. People, that's I, it's the thing I keep beating, you know, over and over again and yelling is like people being like, and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole about CEO or scheme guy again, but like people being like, oh, I can't have another CEO, and it's like, guys, LSU just won two 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 straight coaches who, quite frankly, aren't like regarded as great tacticians or great brilliant minds, just won titles and with a lot of dysfunction going on at all times. So it's like. If you bring in someone who knows how to really run a program, LSU, we might not even, we might have never actually seen, this is me being like rah, rah, LSU, we probably have never actually seen LSU ceiling yet as a program because it's been, they've been, Saban built it and then left before he could really keep it rolling. And then two straight guys who, again, did a good job, but like were kind of messy, still won titles. So what if you do put, again, we're not pushing for Dabo. I don't think that would be either of our first pick, but. Yeah, but what if you put a Dabo there or Franklin there, a guy who like really knows how to run programs, or uh, and so many other guys, they might make that the new Bama when Saban goes out. Because keep in mind, another really fun wrinkle in this hire is, again, Nick Saban seems like he's not going anywhere, but he will eventually retire at some point in the next few years. Like, that is just reasonable. And so whoever takes this job, you are really hoping they are going to be the guy to build things and have it rolling right as Saban's on his way down. And that's a huge part of this, too. I think that can probably be part of the pitch. I'm speculating there. But and to get back to our overall point, because, you know, I think what you, you mentioned that people are kind of like, oh, look, you know, Clemson's losing or ooh, Penn State lost to Illinois. Yeah, let's get this. Narr- let's dispel yeah. this narrative because I'm the biggest Dabo Swinney hater from the outside that can exist because I think he's has this phony preacher vibe that I just find loathsome. I really hope I, I don't he gets like it now it. so we can just throw this audio back up when, when we're doing our first I can't podcast. wait. Yeah. Run, me, run me around the internet. I don't care. Um, I still will maintain that. <laughs> now, Dabo wins a national title here, and like I will begrudgingly be like, yes. But anyway, I don't like him. I see why Woodward's going after him. I understand why this is a thing. But let's put let's dispel the thing, and I think it's stupid to say, "Oh my God, look, they just they're having a bad year," and it's like, just look, they won six straight ACC titles. You are not judging this coach off one loss or two losses or a few weeks. You were judging them on ten. Both of these guys have been head coaches for ten years at least, I believe. Like you were judging them off a lot of data points and a lot of like a big resume here. You were not like, "Wow, they lost to Illinois." Like, ah, shoot, I don't know. You're judging Franklin again. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't even know how much LSU is pursuing either of these guys. This all might be move points, but it's just relevant to, like you said, just kind of squash this. Like, no, they are not changing their mind on a hire because they lost this. Or they like Franklin if they like Franklin because he built Vanderbilt up to a consistent winner, to its ceiling. They, he got Penn State consistently winning and getting like top five to ten classes at a place that's like not exactly easy to do that. You're like the third or fourth biggest job, and you're probably the third biggest job in your own division. And and then you know Dabo, you were judging him on the fact that he has made set like you said six straight ACC title games and like. At the playoffs every year, like he has built a superpower there. So you are not changing your mind because they're having a dip. If anything, these coaches are so good because they have dips and then always come back. Yeah, I do think, and I was telling you this early too, that the more I think about it, and I know I expressed some misgiving from the get-go when you first mentioned his name, I'm coming around a lot on James Franklin. And I think he really fits the mold of what an LSU coach could and should be. He is proven that he can build up a program to a consistent level. You know, they had an aberration last year. It was funny. They were grouped in with LSU last year of like, oh, man, maybe COVID stuff. And they rebounded. They did what everybody thought LSU was going to do too, and LSU did not. So I think he's both a consistent winner there. And then he also has this charisma and this PR ability that the LSU coach frankly needs. Ed Ogeron has it. Les Miles had it. Like – 
I mean, I, I don't want to stray too far, of course, but I don't think somebody like Dave Aranda has it. No, it's as not. Much as much as I love Dave Aranda. He doesn't enjoy that part at all. Yeah. And like, that's fair. That's fine. But like the LSU coach needs it. And I think James really embodies that. He's still young enough. He has a lot of enthusiasm about him. He's a great recruiter. The more, just the more I think about it, I think he, he is a a great choice and be one of the more realistic candidates. Like even if I wanted Dabo Swinney, I don't think he's coming here. Yeah. Yeah. I like, why would Clemson even try to give him up? And if not, then LSU is going to be bankrupting the university somehow if he gets here. So, and that's, I I mean, no one Dabo, but I think James makes a lot of sense. So first off, I don't disagree with you. I, and my, I always just go back to my thing of like, he has built incredible recruiting development and development and proven he can hire to lesser jobs. You put him in LSU. For me, it's like that thing where you – it's like the Brady with LSU thing, right? Joe Brady at LSU where it's like you're unlocking the sports car and figuring out how to actually get it to go 100. You know, like that's I think what, you know, I think James Franklin could do here. That's the case for my, in my argument for a lot of the candidates that they look at are like these guys might really unlock it. And I think that's the big thing with the Franklin. Not to like squash it – I. I don't know if it's going to be Franklin. What's going to be so interesting is that, you know, I've heard some things that Woodward isn't that high on Franklin. You know, that that he, you know, in, uh, this isn't, I'm not speaking for Scott Woodward in any way, but it's like James Franklin does have some, you know, bad looking history with Title IX at Vanderbilt. And he does have a reputation for not always being, you know, the easiest guy to work with. And there are things like that that I'm not saying you like, well, Title IX part, that's a whole different thing. But, like, there are a lot of, like, personal things with Franklin where, like, I'm not saying you should change your mind on a hire for that. Get the guy who's going to win. But, like, you know, do kind of, you know, it's one little factor in, like, in a tie, you know? So I don't know if he's Woodward's guy. I don't know how high he really is in that ranking. And like we said, he might be negotiating all this to get a monster deal at Penn State. I don't even know. But to really all we're doing right now, and this is what all we can really stress enough to our listeners, is, like, we're not even really reporting what's going to happen. We're talking through every possibility, right? We're talking about the good and the bad. So, like, let's not, like, be like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I agree with you. I think James Franklin is somebody who would be able to hire consistently. Get the best coordinators here. Get your recruiting classes from right now where they're great. You know, they're always three through five. Hey, maybe you put a James Franklin there. They're one in two most years, you know, or whatever. So I, I think James Franklin, there's a lot of reasons to think it's great. And there are other reasons to think maybe not. But that's true with every single hire outside of Nick Saban. I just think he's, it, like, from the outside. And I'm not talking to Scott. I don't think anybody really talks to Scott from when I gather. Yeah, your guy, Scott, first name. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to circle back on, I don't think Nick Saban's going anywhere anytime soon. I just assume that he will coach until he falls dead. No, here's the thing, man. He's got it rolling technically more than ever. You know what I mean? Like, in, in some ways, he might be, like, enjoying this, like, more than ever. Like, because now he's got, like, an offensive juggernaut. And it's like, I've, I've talked to some people who know college football far better than me, some of our colleagues at Athletic, who were like, I think this is actually like these last few years have reinvigorated him and like he's yeah. actually more so terrifying I, yeah. for the LSU fan in me that yeah. I think he's going to be here. But still, there's a limit. There just is. You just it's the LeBron thing where you're like, yeah, am I going to bet against it any year? Absolutely freaking not. But you do know eventually it's going to you know go away. I think it's at least another decade with Nick and that bumps me out. Um I would like to take a quick tangent to do one of my favorite things in coaching oh, searches. Please. And there's one thing I have to circle back on the coaching search, but yes. Is monitoring coaches' quotes when they are asked about the job. Oh, yes. I'm here for this. Because, you know, it, it, it's one of my favorite things to do it for other jobs. And now it's happening to my favorite team's job. Is the coach has to be asked. Every, you know, if Brody was in a press conference with James Franklin, he would have to be like, have you thought about the LSU job? Even though Brody knows that coach will never say, yeah, sounds awesome. And, but for PR later, the coach cannot say, I will never be there. The only coach that has really gotten away with that is Nick Saban when he left Miami for Alabama after saying, I will not be the head coach at Alabama. And then he became the head coach because smart guy. He just said, I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. None but, of these comments are binding statements. They're not. Who cares? Anyway, well, that's going to get to the point. But, right, I think Saban had the clout to do that. Some of these guys don't have it, and there's a lot of clamor. So here's a quote from James, Frank, James Franklin's presser today. After, A, the news leaked out that he signed with Jimmy Sexton, which signals some sort of move somewhere, and he is high on USC and LSU's list. To what degree? Who knows? Here's the quote. I've been asked this question multiple times, and my focus is completely on Illinois and this team and this program. Let's circle back. They played Illinois last weekend. So James is 
So, and he maybe misspoke, but it was the worst time to misspeak. So, A, there's nothing in that thing that says no. Well, that, he, no, that's what they're doing. That's how they've all been coached. That's exactly how to execute it. No, no, no. They were playing Ohio State this weekend. Oh, my bad, my bad. Misunderstood. <laughs> he, was, yes. he was living in last week's game. He just can't get over it. Yeah. He's saying, so, I am the worst coach. He did not it. say no, and then he says he's focusing on last week's game, which is not great. Oh, um, I see. I see. It's very funny. On multiple levels. Here's Dave Aranda being asked, former LSU defensive coordinator, beloved man here, also a man that I said earlier, and I stand by it, will probably not be the head coach here and maybe shouldn't be. Talking about Baylor, he says, quote, I love it here and my family loves it here. Baylor has been everything I thought it would be. I think coming here was an opportunity to grow and to be better. Yeah. Did he say anything there? No, there's that. No. The key. It's you, my favorite thing, and I know, an I know these guys form, are. That's why I'm so glad you're doing this because it's a it's an art form of how can I say something that is not actually saying no, but it is also implying that I love my job. Like, it, that's it, what it's about. It's I love my job. That's it. Like, and you just leave it open ended. Yeah. Am I, am I stealing your thunder by saying no? That? No, no, no. That, those are the two quotes I wanted to read, and I think we should make this a recurring bit because I, I'm down with how this. uncomfortable the LSU situation is, where Coach O is staying through the end of the year. And we have a long time to go. We have five, six weeks left, five weeks left. Um, and the LSU base is already disintegrating. I don't know if you saw the radio clip that was going around yesterday. Oh, it's the greatest uh, thing I've ever seen. Richard Condon, who two guys I grew up listening to. I love Annie. Yeah. Just, it's yeah a, that whole just thing is just amazing incredible. Content. We will never get there, I hope. Or I will never get there. I don't know, but, man. I mean, Being neighbors can really bring out the worst in people, you know? Talk to me after we lose 62 nothing in Tuscaloosa next week, and maybe I'll be there. Um, but it's going to be a recurring bit because we, you know, this did not happen at the end of the year. So the more these coaches don't answer the question, the more it's going to be asked, especially as the agents start playing the game of, oh, James Franklin has interest from LSU, which ups an offer from USC or Penn State. It's going to be a mess. So last thing. I know we're checking in all these candidates. And I would like to segue by saying I still want Lane Kiffin. <laughs> God. I mean, yeah, Lane Kiffin's fantastic. I, I, my, like, my thing on Lane Kiffin whenever we get in this discussion is, like, I think Lane Kiffin might do really well here. He like, would do great here. I just think there's, like, the thing of you're hiring a guy who has actually never proven he can win for more than one year at a Power 5 school. Like, I, I think Lane Kiffin's a genius and brilliant, one of the better football minds and, like, would be the salesman part, all that stuff. It's just, like, what – reliability do you really have there like what how confident are you do you think Ole Miss would fall off next year without with him at the helm yes really they look great right now I think but a lot of that is okay let's put this way they just ran rough shot over LSU with all of their receivers out like all of them No, no no I'm saying I'm saying do you think they would fall off next year? I know, and my answer is that's what I'm getting to. He'd basically just beat LSU without like all of his receivers out. And my point there is a lot of it is Lane and Jeff Levy and all these guys. They know how to run that machine. They know how to keep it rolling. So like they are able to get the most out of an offense even when every good pass catcher is gone and your quarterbacks hurt. Like that's to me more about them than it is like they built a, a program that's like next guy up. That's what I'm saying, and maybe that's not fair. But I don't really think it's I like. I still think that's a good thing. I no, I'm not. I think it's a good thing in some ways. Like, yeah, Lynn Kiffin's that good. Jeff Lebby's that good. Like, they are that smart of coaches that they get the most out of their guys. I believe that. I'm just saying, like, there's little evidence that he can keep Ole Miss, and he might be able to. He's he's perfect fit at Ole Miss, but like, there, we don't have any data yet. That's the best way to put it. We have no data yet to prove that like he can keep a program going for five years or ten years and like take it to titles. We know he is a history. And again, this isn't like even me knocking him. Actually, this would be like an ignorant argument to take someone down. But again, his entire career is actually defined by quick bursts when he gets there, then he either leaves or it goes bad. You know, it's like even goes to Tennessee, right? Gives them a jolt, then he bails. Goes to USC. And again, there's a lot of situation there, sanctions, all that. But he gave them immediate burst. Like they were good, way better than they should have been. Preseason number one and then just fell off. And, you know, I'm not – FAU, he did keep it going. So I'm not dissing FAU, but that's a different situation. So, yeah, I just – that's what I'm saying is, like, I just you're, – you're, a job like this is just – and all of it's a crap shoot. I know that. But, like, a job like this, you want as much data and assurance as you can get. Like, you want a guy who's going to really do it. So there's just that fear of hiring a guy that you actually aren't sure. Sure. That tracks. 
I still, I'm not uh, saying I know. Like, if they hire Lane Kiffin, I'm probably going to write a story explaining the rationale because it also makes sense to me. But just how my brain works, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still smitten with That's him. That's the Brody hedge of, I understand why it's a smart hire, but I also don't think it's a smart hire. That's how my mind works. We should talk about the game for a brief minute, even though it is in the past. Uh, I have a few thoughts. A. Wait, wait, before we get to that, can we get to yes. Billy Napier also? Oh, Napier. Yes. Yes. I want to jump on Napier. Because he's another guy just to like add like some context to what's happening. Here. He's also, okay, I, I will say this. He's gaining momentum, I think, among the fan base. Because as time goes on and people say, we don't want the ULL coach. Emphasis on the ULL. And I, I know. know you're going to really that. do but that. You're going to make our fans, podcast hated by another it's section. A bit, it's a bit. And I'm sure we're going to get an email from a ULL person saying that it's Louisiana. I get it. I know. But I am imitating the LSU fan base who will say, someone will say USL. Why, why are we hiring USL's coach? Can I also can I go on a random tangent? Not even sure. a tangent, it's 10 seconds, but I think South Louisiana is like a cool name for a college. Great name. I don't know why they changed it. I mean, like, that's not me being it. like, yo, I'm going to call you ULL. Like, I'm not being a dick. That's not me saying like, you should. Just like, that's a cool name. Like, South Louisiana is like a cool culture. Like, I would love to be South Louisiana if I was a college. I understand the reasoning. You want to own the state, make that your marketing. I get it. I'm just like, South Louisiana, that's a cool thing. I'd be like, hell yeah, I'd go to USL. Anyway, that's just my side note. I'm just saying... LSU fans, I think it, he is gaining momentum because he's seen as very consistent in a program builder. And while he's not as flashy, some people might be like, that's what we need. We don't need flashy. We don't need that. And so I still don't think he's going to be LSU's coach. And tell me why that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think my thing from the second this job opened, probably I think you and I were talking about before, is I think two things are going on at the same time. I think he's far down the list. Not even far down, I shouldn't say, but not the first tier. You know, he's not the top of the list, but he also might be the best move. Like, I'm, that's where I stand on Billy Napier. Because, yeah, he is a guy who, and this is me making the case before I say why they might not, he's a guy who has been helped build two Death Stars to an extent. You know what I mean? He was a very big part of the early Dabo Swinney years. And, yeah, he lost his job. He made some mistakes there. Like, you know, those offenses kind of went downhill. But still, it was a part of the beginning of the Dabo era. Worked under him, then was a huge part of Bama becoming a juggernaut. Then did really, by the way, was kind of a big deal at Arizona State too. People kind of forget that part of it. And then also, yeah, like and now has got so he has the experience of building a major big player that LSU. He's not going to be intimidated walking yes. into the LSU facility. And more importantly, coach. has gone to UL, which is a job that no one's really ever consistently won there. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You know better. Well, you like, had the Mark Hudspeth era, which he was in the Billy Napier before Billy Napier. Yes. And then he never took a job, and then it just all went to shit. And sure, maybe if Napier stayed there five more years, he would pull a Hudspot. I don't know. But the thing is, yeah, he won seven games year one. That's a good year. Like at the end of the day, seven, like seven wins is a good year at UL. It just should be. And then you go 11 wins, then you go 10 wins, and 10 and 1, may I say, pandemic season. And now he's 6 and 1 again. Like that's the big sell to me is that. You have the great background resume, and you've proven you can build a sustainable winner. And you could, just to play like devil's advocate, you could say, like, well, this year's a little different because, like, because of the pandemic, he's basically had the same team two years. Fair. But still, I think he's proven he can build a real winner. He knows how to recruit the state, knows how to find guys who can develop, but also has been at big schools, so he knows how to recruit five stars. Like, that's a nice little hybrid. I love the Billy Napier idea. The thing against it, not even against it, is just – is LSU going to hire a coach in the Sun Belt? I think that's an ignorant way of thinking, but it's just a realistic way they might be thinking. And I think there's a little bit of, okay, are you really going to hand the keys to this top five job to a guy who hasn't been a head coach at this level yet? Like everyone else we're listing are guys who have proven they've won at the P5. And I think there's something to that. There's something to just that little, that big brother, little brother thing, which is so stupid. But still, just like, are we really going to hire the coach from ULL, you know, to your point? You know, I think there's a little bit of that thinking. I don't know if Scott Woodward thinks that way, but I think some people probably around LSU do. So I think that's the reason why not. And But honestly, no, let me take all that. The real reason why not is because they're just looking for even bigger coaches. I don't think it's like we don't like Billy Napier. I think it's like... But if we can get a Dabo Swinney, if we can get a Lincoln Riley, I'd rather have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. But also, you were telling me earlier that Napier might be interested in a surprise. Oh, job. I apologize. Yeah. And, and I want to preface this with the fact that I'm not saying like Billy Napier have handed the offer to LSU and Virginia Tech would take Virginia Tech. But what I will say is all signs are very much heading to Virginia Tech opening. Yes. And, you know, Bruce Feldman, our colleague, uh, that's like our catchphrase on the show. Uh, but... He is reported, and I, it makes so much sense now that I think about it. 
that he, Billy Napier might be a real, like, that might be a place he wants to go and a job he wants, and that might be where he's headed next year. And again, it's all speculation. The job's not even technically open yet, but it looks like it will be. But I think that's so interesting, even aside from talking about the LSU job, because again, I think if he gets offered LSU, it might be hard to say no to that. But we've wondered for three years what Billy Napier wants, right? It's like, Turn down a chance at Mississippi State. Turn down a chance at South Carolina. Uh, Auburn even maybe. You know, a lot of jobs were open. He just didn't really. Push. Auburn was the one that surprised me because I can understand why you don't want to go to state. I can absolutely understand why you don't want to go to South Carolina. But Auburn, they got money. They got facilities. They, you know, I know it's a tough division with LSU, Alabama, and then you have Georgia like an hour and a half away and all that kind of stuff. I get that. Still, Auburn's a big dog. And there's that semantics thing, though, of course. Like, he he didn't pursue it, but that doesn't mean he was Auburn's choice. You know what I mean? There's always that awkward thing. Oh, you're talking about how they all talk in airport conference Not rooms? even just that. I just mean, like, <laughs> Nobody sometimes you remove yourself other. before they even pursue you. You know what I mean? Like, that's the other thing where it's like, he's not a candidate. So then, like, the way history remembers is it is he turned down when it's like, they might have never actually wanted him. But he removed himself. And it looks like, again. A great PR move. I don't even know. That. I hate when I do this. Like, I'm like... But uh, yeah. But anyway, point being, he has not wanted any of these jobs that you would think would be no-brainer moves from UL. And and I've always we've always wondered what does he actually want when we've always been like, well, he wants Bama or he wants like LSU, for example. But it would tell us a lot, I think, if he actually went for Tech, Virginia Tech, because what it would tell us is maybe what he wants, and maybe he also wants to be at a P five before he goes to a Bama. That would also make sense. But I think what it tells us is a lot of coaches don't think exactly how we think they think. Like, Virginia Tech is a job where you have the history. Like, you can win big there. You absolutely can. But you also don't have crazy expectation. It's a cool place to live. You're in the ACC. Like, it's probably a better quality of life job than every single job he turned down or didn't go for. That's interesting to me. Like, because we'd be like, what does he want? He seems like a different kind of dude. Maybe he wants to build a sustainable winner at Tech, build a legacy where you can be a legend there and, like, really do something big and build, like, your own thing there. Instead of going somewhere like, let's hypothetically say Auburn, where you are technically the fourth job, third or fourth biggest job in your own division, recruiting's harder in terms of scale, you have expectations, and if you go eight and four there, it's like, this guy sucks. And it's like, well, if you go eight and four at Virginia Tech, it's like, you know, not our best year, but things are stable, you know, like... Maybe you just want a different quality of life than that. And I- well, let's also, I'm going to also be cynical here, and I think it makes sense too because if you if he wanted to fit a Scott Woodward profile of a job, which other ADs might adhere to at bigger programs, it would be a lot easier to say Billy Napier went to Virginia Tech for five years. He won an ACC title, and he played for another, and he's proven at a big program in a big conference that he can do it. That sounds better than hiring the UL coach to LSU. no. Everything you just said is true. I, I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. I, and and I think that's probably a better yeah. measure of success for Billy Neighbor, a better path. And it's smart. Just like anybody else in their career would not want to ascend too quickly, fail, and then all of a sudden you're the guy who shit the bed at LSU. No, and that's a great point. But yeah, like some, it might just be a little bit of he's smart enough to know I don't want a big job that I'm not quite ready for. Yeah, or like because you, know, you don't want to be Tom Herman. Let's, let's tie it back, though. I think that Scott should keep him around on the list. Oh, absolutely. And because, you know, this is a totally different job search. But if you remember the baseball job, it was not the most uh, calm job search, LSU baseball job. There was people turning them down, and there was a journey. There was maybe some off-field stuff that we don't have to get say, into. What makes that job fascinating <laughs> is they went for the biggest fish. Seems like they had the biggest fish, and like two or three of them basically didn't happen because of just other reasons. Other things yeah. that we will say may, might not be Scott Woodward's fault. Uh, but still, if, if something happens that way, Dabo Swinney turns you down. Uh, James Franklin goes to USC. Lane Kiffin says no. Uh, where do you go from there? Lincoln Riley tells you no for whatever. They all get raises. They all get $9 million raises because of LSU. Uh, I mean, Billy Napier would be a good choice. No, I completely agree. Or that's where, like, yeah, you look at, like, hey, does a Mel Tucker make more sense or something like that? Yeah, I completely agree. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to Mel later. Should we talk about the Ole Miss game? Do it? Does anybody care? Um, Raise the fans. I think there's something we can talk about. I have a thesis statement that I think could work for the whole game. I like how you asked our listeners as if they could give you answers right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a visual medium. Um, What's the visual? It's it's a joke. Damn it. <laughs> um, I think the Ole Miss game is this. It showed LSU's potential. They look like a top 10 team for a quarter. 
I was so excited. I was like, man, we got interim O here. Like he needs to go, but like, look at, look at this defense. Look at this offense. Just like, and then they choked it. And then it looked like they gave up like a little bit. I think I don't want to say quit because I know these guys don't quit, but like, it just kind of looked like the, the year kind of took its toll and they had all this juice. And then the moment it went away and the moment the better team pressed on the metal, it was like, this is how it's going for us. And it sucks. And it was a real bummer. And I mean, Ole Miss is good. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to see little baby Nuss in there. Yeah. We'll get to that. We actually, that's something we, yeah, we didn't have that on our rundown, but we have to discuss that in a minute. So, but that was it. I think it showed a LSU's potential. Like exactly. Got, still got really good players in the program. It's a microcosm of literally the situation. Right? And also, this team still is missing like five of its top players. So people forget that because it's old news. Kayshawn Bootsy's out. Derek Stingley probably will never play another game, I assume, for health reasons. Eli Ricks. All Eli Ricks. Day. All of them. Like, so many guys. They're yeah. all out, and Ole Miss is a top 10 team. They are ranked number 10 going in this week. And we were taking it to them for 20 minutes. Yeah. And no, they, I'm, I think it's like the perfect microcosm of literally – what this team can be and why Ed O'Jean is probably on his way out, right? Because like you said, I mean, you walk that first 25 minutes, really. You're like, this, yeah, like, interim, I think the best, I think one of my favorite tweets I saw was, man, can you imagine how good LSU would have been if they fired Ed O'Jean midway through 2019? Like, imagine how good that team would have been. <laughs> like, But uh, I, I think, yeah, they looked, they're playing hard. Like, that part was real. Like, that O'Jean's whole comment of, like, yeah, I think there's a weight lifted. I actually did see that. I did see and, and you saw the defense, like, I think this defense still, I stand by. The defense is sneaky good. Or not good, but pretty competitive. And then what happens is, and that's why I say it's proof that this all needs to go, is that the second other teams adjust, that's where you just see the difference. We have, my editor, Jason Sarah, and I pulled up the stats, and I don't have them in front of me right now. But it's just it's jarring the first half versus second half stats for LSU defensively because you see Chip Kelly adjust, and then Dronte Jones isn't quite ready. Or Lane Kiffin, like, they were doing some great stuff to stop Ole Miss. Like, really impressive. And then all of a sudden they adjust, and they just look. That's where they go from being like, oh, wow, crazy coverage busts or just not prepared for this, whatever they're doing there, wide-open receivers, all that. It's because you see them adjust, and LSU doesn't know how to keep up with that. That's where you see the gap between LSU and better teams right now. And, yeah, you probably did see a little bit of foot go off the gas as that game went on. That is concerning. Well, there's, there's a lot of mental issues, and I, I can't imagine what it's like playing under a lame-duck coach who recruited you there. It's not even an interim thing where, like, you know, everybody rallies around the new guy. It's not a new guy. <laughs> He's still there. So very awkward stuff. Um, let's talk about Nussmeyer for a little bit. What did you want to say? Oh, I just, I just want to like talk about the discourse that's happening because Nussmeyer looked awesome. There's no doubt about it. Like Nussmeyer is going to be a dude, whether it's, I don't, in, with quarterbacks, you never know if it's going to be at LSU or somewhere else with, you know, you got a five-star coming. You just never know. Nussmeyer can ball. And he's just like an old, not even old school is not the right word, but like the 2010s, you know, like, he's just a baller, you know, like a, like a Manziel to some extent. And that's also his pro end is con, right? I think he tries yeah. to do too much a lot, but he's going to try. He's going to do it. Because you even saw his deep balls, and you're just, I saw people in our, be like, why isn't LSU not running those, you know, I mean, for why, why, are they, why are they not doing those routes under Johnson? And I'm like, they kind of are. They just, one, they just kind of can't because you can't hit them. And two, they kind of are, and they, you just see him underthrow it, so you don't think he's running that. But, no, it's tough because you Nussmeyer was doing it in a 31-7 game or whatever, and the game's over and you're playing backups and all that. Like, you can't overreact. But you also can see the thing where it's he like – He passes the eye test. He passes the eye test. And it's also just that argument of – and I'm not anti-Johnson, but it's just like the offense is really far behind other teams right now. Sometimes you just need a jolt. Sometimes you just need a guy. And I think Ogeron's thing was we needed something different, the quarterback – which is funny because they could have been like, eh, Johnson was banged up or, hey, the game was out of line. No, he said we needed something different at quarterback. That is kind of a telling thing. Like we, He chose to put him in over Johnson, and I think that's something you can't rule out. But my question to the fans was, this is not my opinion, actually. I understand people pushing for Nussmeier to start a game right now, but would you really want his first career start? No. true freshman. No. Yeah, go against Bama no. on the road. Nope. That's my thing, and some people are like, "Well, what's it gonna hurt?" You know, he's gonna have to. One guy was like, "He's gonna have to face Alabama eventually," and I'm like, "Yeah, but you can ruin quarterbacks. There's a lot of history of quarterbacks being ruined beyond repair. Like, you just, I just don't think you want that." And also, I am, although I believe Johnson is not somebody who is going to win you a title like a 2019 Burrow. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna carry a team ever. Like, that's probably not. 
but I also am a believer. That's a that, high like, bar. Yeah, exactly. But like, no. Well, most championship winning quarterbacks the last ten years have had you know a quarterback who really took over games. But still, so much is going against Johnson. I'm not sure. I'm like out on him. You know, no, I think he I'm can not win out on him either. Yeah, I think I think a lot of fans are. That's why I'm saying. That. I think a yeah, I get that. I mean, a lot of my mentions are just like this guy is not. Even some of my like friends who are like no football are just like this guy can't be our quarterback anymore. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a thing where. I hate, I'm not using the game manager title because that sucks, but I do think it's like if things are going, if everything around him works, he can get the most out of it. Yeah. But at the same time, if things aren't working, he can't overcome it. And it's like there's this weird trend where like five out of eight games this year, he looks amazing for a quarter and a half or mm-hmm. a half or one quarter. It's like eight of eight. He always starts like amazing. Yeah. And I think my read on it a little bit is, yeah, teams adjust to him probably, but I think it's also once the running game goes away – they can pin their ears back and then they can make life hard for him. Like, I think you saw that to some extent Saturday. So anyway, I think it's really hard to evaluate these guys in the situation right now for a lot of the reasons that I just mentioned earlier, where like, this is really unprecedented. Like this coaching situation where you have to stay with this lame duck thing. And then, I mean, it'd be easy for me to think a lot of these guys might be wondering about their future at LSU. Who is the coach going to be? Will the coach want to want me around? Do I want to be around? Like what? It's hard to focus on the game that week. And it's hard to, like, really get into it, and especially with a game at Alabama coming, which is I don't have much hope of winning at all. I shouldn't. I mean, but it's the same thing. It's like you see what Max can be. Maybe some coach will come in and be like, he's my guy. I see what I can do with him. Or maybe that coach says, why don't we put Nussmeyer in? (laughs) I don't know. And then you have a five-star coming down the pike. So it's it's tough. I, I get it. I mean, it's a good problem to have because I think I, I still think he's a good quarterback. I do too. Yeah. And, so, well, no. And to your original point, when you like brought all this up about just the team, it's like it's just going to make these next few weeks really weird because you don't have anything directly to play for. But as much as people are like, oh, what reason is else you have to try? The guys still playing are freshmen and sophomores or guys who aren't like draft picks who have to prove themselves. Like it's why I always think people are like, oh, tanking an NBA. Like it's like. No one on that court is tanking. They're playing for their livelihood. Like, they're not. The GMs might. Like, same thing. I yeah, you did see a bunch of guys leave the team and, you know, maybe had surgery earlier than they needed to and stuff like that. Sure. But, like, still, everyone on that field has a lot to prove. So, I, I don't think that. But just you're just going to see a lot of, like, you're going to see moments where LSU looks like the team they were supposed to be. And you're going to see moments where you're like, oh, wait, that's why they need a staff change. And that's just what it's going to be. And you just got to kind of enjoy the ride and be like, hey, look how good. Malik Neighbors looked that game. Look how good. good. Yeah, look how he did. Look how good Mason Smith is. Like you have to just find that. Find your like this is this is the the Sixers, Bengals, and Reds fan in me that's trained my my brain has been trained for a long time to think this way. But like you just gotta find your little victories so you can be like, all right, next year this is who we're building on. That's just what it's gonna be like. I'm sorry. We'll see. We will see. Um anything happening during the off week? I mean, like in, in any off week thoughts for the team? Do you, do you think they get healthy? Do you think that any of those top-line players come back for Alabama? Do No, I, I think this week is going to be a – Edo John even said, he's like, we're not doing padded practices at all. You know, like they're going to – it's definitely a get-healthy week. And, yeah, you don't have much – you're like, you don't need to push for more because the season already is what it is. So I think you just really try to get healthy. The thing is, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a major Burns can come back. I don't know. I don't know what his timeline is. Or maybe a – but now we even hear Anthony Bradford's out for the year. You know, it's just like they're just – depleted so i think at this point just rest let guys you know get to 100 percent, and just try to make the most out of these last few games but i don't think i don't think you're getting any of these big fish back no no let me let me uh dive back in and ask you the hanagriff question yes lsu loses 62 to 3 in tuscaloosa is there any way that ed doesn't make the year like is there any way it gets bad enough to where it's like this we this cannot it's possible yeah i mean i don't have any real reporting there i'll be honest with you but i i think it's possible i just doubt it because it's like you went through the trouble of the 17 million dollar agreement to keep you there to end on a good note all those kind of things like i would just be surprised because like the same reasons you wanted him to finish the season you know the inner no no real interim all that stuff like why would that suddenly, when there's less games left, would you feel a need to force that? Or when the season's even more off the rails? That's my thing, but would I rule it out when if it gets ugly enough? Like, yeah, I totally think that's possible. And also, there's the really weird thing of, and I didn't really thought about it until yesterday or two days ago. Uh, someone on staff brought it up to me, but they were like, 
how weird is it going to be if we make a bowl, if LSU makes a bowl game? And it's like, you hire the replacement, I don't know, first week of December, last week of November, and it's like, Ed's still there, because no coach usually coaches the bowl game, and it's like, that could get weird. Not that I think Ed Ogeron's going to like make life hell for that guy, but it's just like, man, the things you don't think about, because this is so unprecedented. I mean, cynically, from a PR standpoint, Ed's the one eating shit the rest of the year. Like, they already made the move. So LSU doesn't really take a hit as an institution for however bad it gets. So it's just, as a fan, it's just like, man, I, I can't watch them get drubbed every week. Yeah. But then again, like, how much of them getting drubbed Arkansas. would be like Ed Ogeron. Like, it just might be who they are. They could easily beat Arkansas. They could easily, they're, I hope they're going to beat you. Do you want them be. to make a bowl? I know it's a weird question. I do, yeah. Okay, yeah, I just didn't know, like, what's the... I mean, want a I mean draft part of me is, like, just, just cut my head off now and let, 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 yeah. let me rest. But at the same time, like, I think it would be a really good experience for those young guys. There's so much Yeah, that's a really good point. That's, like, the best development time for these and young to guys. Keep yeah. the, and to keep those guys around, I mean, on the other side of the... When I was saying these players are worrying about, will the new coach want me? The new coach is, like... I mean, I don't want to say... But, like, does Keishon Bouti want to stick around? I mean, the, the, the transfer portal and player empowerment is such a big deal where we have so many talented players that I would prefer them all to stick around. So, like, let's keep them for another month. Let's, let's get a coaching hire because, also, we're not hiring a coach until December at the earliest. So, it sucks for those players to not know what their future is for so long and to have this be a constant drumbeat of, Who's going to be a coach? Who's going to be a coach? We don't know. We don't know. And they like, it'll eventually wear on them and they might want to search for a more stable situation. Yeah. They might not want to wait around that long. So let's make a bowl. Let's have a bunch of bowl practices. And then the players like, already opt out of bowl games as is like, why would, yeah. What guy, like would guys opt out even more? Cause it's like, this is the most meaningless bowl game. I don't know. See, I, I would go back to my point that most of these guys aren't in a position to opt out. Most of these guys yeah. who are still left need to prove stuff. But I just like wonder, it's like, this would be the most meaningless bowl ever. I mean, it's gonna be. It feels like a bowl game where Nussmeier starts a quarterback and like Malik Neighbors has 175 yards receiving, or yeah, um, then one of those young receivers. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I am for the bowl. Is the, the I think bowl game I, ranking. the post bowl game like this seems really good, and then you get a high ranking. It's my favorite thing. Classic. The UNC every year. UNC oh. always like ends on a good note, and you're if, like, let's it, put UNC 15. If Garrett Nussmeyer leads LSU yeah. to a bowl game thrashing of some wayward ACC team that is not, then LSU is going to be number nine going into the next season when they, when they hire a big name and all of a sudden LSU's back and I love it and it's too high expectations but like it's, it's my favorite thing about college sports. Yep. All right, let's let's start to wrap this up. Um, it is an off week as we said, so there's no game to preview. So I compiled a list of LSU's coaching candidates and what they're up against for people to watch if they would like to watch. First up, the hot name, Mel Tucker. Speak, talk about somebody, if you're talking about Lane Kiffin not having any data about building a program, Mel Tucker falls into that. I like Mel Tucker. I think I would be happy if he was here. But this is the biggest game of his head coaching career this weekend. Number eight, Michigan State versus number six, Michigan. In-state rivalry that always gets weird. And also, it's always... It always comes in with Michigan being a highly touted team, which they are, but Michigan State is never that good going into this game for a, for a while now. And now they are good. So it's going to be a test. Gonna, yeah, I think the thing, if you're like an LSU fan being, if he loses a close game, don't be like, oh, I don't want Mel Tucker now. He's not supposed to be here yet. <laughs> I don't want him to get yeah. blown out. Yeah, I was going to say, if you get blown out. out, you can be like, oh, because – Michigan State does kind of lead the top 10 probably in games that could have Michigan's lost. good. Michigan's a good team. I actually really a good defense. Team. I was gonna say Michigan State kind of leads the leads the top ten in teams that like have three games they could have lost. Like right. Michigan State is overachieving. Like you have to know that, so they should lose this game, hundred percent. But like, yeah, if you they should have lost to Nebraska. Should have lost to Indiana. Should have lost to Nebraska. And there's another one I'm forgetting. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Texas Tech at OU. Texas Tech just fired its coach. Some weird interim energy there, I'm sure. Sonny Cumbie makes me feel old. He's the interim head coach there. Yeah. I remember when he played quarterback. At but Texas is this Tech. game telling you anything about Lincoln Riley? No. But you're just okay. You're just I just want to – I like, I haven't actually sat down to watch a lot of OU football. I watched the Texas game. Oh, my God. And Caleb Williams is so good. Um, By the way, had a, this, is not, this, this is me talking to my ass. So you're not – and I'm not the first to suggest this, but, like, 
the thing with if it's again Lincoln Riley's gonna don't be tell me person. that he's gonna bring Spencer Rattle with him. I think you would bring Caleb. This is guys. Like I do not think Lincoln Riley. Every big name we're talking about. I'm not saying I think there's any real chance they get them, but they're gonna try. But like if you get Lincoln Riley, I think Caleb Williams might go with him. Let's remember here. Caleb Williams was a heavy LSU lean when Joe Brady was still on staff. Guys, guys, this is late in the show, like, BSing of me just being, like, galaxy brain. So, no one, like, once we hit the past 30-minute mark, I like I feel more free saying some nonsense. But So, don't, like, quote me on this and be like, guys, Brody Miller saying. No, but, like, no, no, no. I, Caleb it, Williams was an LSU lean before Joe Brady left. If you are still listening, I want you to, A, go start a thread on Tiger Dropping God saying that, that we are doing that. And then, B, tweet the thread to me. Please don't. Um, <laughs> that's my nightmare. I have enough. No, that, that'll get us listeners, Brody. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. I mean, like, it's like, don't rule that out, man. Like, we live in a time where you get a free transfer. You do. And let's be real. You go to Oklahoma as a quarterback to work with Lincoln Riley. Like, let's say hypothetically they got Lincoln Riley. Why would Caleb Williams not join? Yeah. I mean, if Caleb Williams comes, I, I don't know what Max is going to do. But um, let's move on. Big game. Ole Miss at Auburn. Auburn making that. LSU lost look great. And you're watching this just to see if you want Brian Harson. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm watching to see if Brian Harson gets vaccinated or not. <laughs> That's gonna be fine. What if that was like a wrinkle, like third quarter? He still hasn't done it. Like, <laughs> he's gonna come in the fourth. But... No, I think that date is after the season, right? It's like December 18th or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too read up on that. I, I just think. know. Yeah. Um, but big game, and let's see if Lane can keep it up. If, if you know, I, I wonder if Brian Harson and company might adjust better than LSU would. And it's in Auburn. James Franklin goes to Columbus. Ooh, that's this week? Penn I State, actually don't Penn think State I realized that. Probably the worst loss of Franklin's tenure. And then going to an Ohio State team that looks like it has gotten every infinity stone and looks amazing. I know. They look – oh, yeah. Ohio State, like, I think Eddie Stables has kind of been on this for a few weeks. But, like, you could – I mean, George is number one, but, like, and there's no doubt about it. But, like, you could argue, actually, if you just look at, like, how they're playing right now, Ohio State's the second-best team yes. in the country. But, man, I love this because this reeks of Penn State people are now out on them, even though they should have beat Iowa. And, like, they're better than we think. And I'm not going to judge them off that Illinois game either, really. Like, I don't think that's right. who they are. Oh, man, this reeks of – this is a kind of flawed Ohio State team, as much as I just said, like, yeah. they're the best, like – they might. They have flaws. CJ. It also. It, it also kind of sucks because CJ Sean Clifford. Is, Sean Clifford is clearly hurt. And they, they're a different team if they have Sean Clifford. Help. And yeah. like they don't. I, I think he still. He still played in that game against yeah. Illinois. And so a very clearly damaged Sean Clifford goes. And so like, I think if he is at full strength, I I would, I would be tempted to say like watch out. But I I don't know. Wait. Let me. Okay. I need to pull up the line here. Um. Oh my goodness. Is it fourteen and a half? Opened is like twelve that? and a half, and I think it's gotten up higher. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like if that's 14 plus, I like the, the Nittany Lions there. Just because, like, this feels like a game they're going to make ugly. Feels like a game where everyone's like, Penn State's not good, but wait, they're actually still a top 10 team. If you ask me, like, 10, if yeah. you, you ask me to tell you the 10 best teams in college football, I still pick them. Oh, love that. Sorry. It's going to be a great game. And we'll see how possible future LSU coach James Franklin bounces back from A, coaching rumors, and B, the worst loss of his Penn State tenure. And Billy Napier has, he has a pretty winnable game this week, if I recall. So not as much to see. Sorry, I didn't put that in the show notes because uh, I didn't even consider him in my list. Of well, possible the players. fun of watching UL, though, is that they're on Saturday this week, they got Texas State. That's right. But you could have – I think people have watched them more than ever because you have a lot of UL games that are on, like, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like, they yeah. played App State yeah. and Arkansas State the last two weeks. Those are big games. That's why I love me some Sunbelt. So it's like you could have watched them. Also, I would like to point out before we leave that uh, I went 4-0 in my bets last week in the Pulse newsletter. I'm up to 17 and 11 this year. You're going to start putting year, some real so. money down then? Huh? You're going to start putting some real money down? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think Louisiana's uh, about to go live Brody, in like a it's week. It's illegal in the state of Louisiana right not now. For, not in a few days. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do a show from... Brody and Chris go to Harris. <laughs> Caesars. Oh, God. I'm so It's becoming Caesars. Yeah. I forgot. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're, oh, we're getting Claire, tangent, it's just for work. I swear. Sub- this is, sub- yeah. Subscribe to the Pulse newsletter if you'd like to win some money, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, anything else to add, Brody? I think that's all, man. This has been a good Where one. Where does okay? Last question. This is a personal one. Where does this season? Uh, I thought you were about to ask me something about my office no, no, no. and insult me. Yeah. Where Where does this period in LSU football rank in your experience as an LSU beat writer? Because I know there's there's it's cliche to say never a dull moment, but like you have you have seen the rise and the fall in a very compacted area. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, last year I think was more like miserable in a way. Like last year just sucked. And every well, like the, world, the world sucked last year. The world sucked. LSU sucked to cover. Everything was messy. And like you can't even talk about any of it in good faith because like so much is going wrong. It's not just like how good is this team at football. So like, 2020 will be the worst year to cover. There's just no doubt about that. But yeah, this I will always argue. I mean, 2019 was like a dream to cover, but 2018 was fun to cover, man. That year was fun because it was like a team that was like the coach went from on the hot seat to all of a sudden you're like just scraping out these top ten wins every week, and like that team was like that's the that is LSU football to me in a nutshell. Where it's like LSU's probably not going to win titles every year. Like they never probably will be that. God, you are you're the fan of the band who's like the big record. I didn't like that. I. Li- I like no, the, I like their I'm not doing that. More. But like that's what LSU football is to me. To, that is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, damn it. But like kind of right. Like LSU should be a team. Their goal should always be ten and three, right? Like go nine and three in SEC. I think the goal should be twelve and zero. Personally, the goal should be twelve and zero. The standard should be ten and three. Like maybe you go ten and two, and maybe you go nine and three. We'll see what happens in the bowl. But like if you do that, you're still a top twelve team. Like that's what LSU is, and that season was so pure of like winnable games and. I don't know. That was like the most Ogeron season to me in a lot of ways. It was like Ensminger. I don't know. I love that team. That team was fun to cover. It was gritty guys. Was That's why 2019 team. happened, by the way. I know. That's the part people miss is like, you don't get 2019 without a bunch of guys with like a massive chip on their shoulder grinding through 2018, battle tested, and then 2019 comes and you're like, screw everybody. Like, that's why this year didn't quite happen. I, I thought it might be chip on their shoulder because 2020 was so bad, but no, it actually like weakened them. I'm going on a weird. We're way off the rails here, but that was, that was a good answer, though. Um, yeah, but anyway, as as we finish out, go start that thread uh, that we were reporting um, and tweet it to us, and we'll have a fun time. Um, thank you guys for listening, Brody. Have a great off weekend. I will, and uh, we'll see you guys next week for what is to sure to be. I'm sure there will be more coaching rumors and more fun. We won't be yelling. Promise. See you guys later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.